You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Findlay, and you're about to hear an interview with Tom DeFalco. Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends had a great collaboration together for many years on various titles like Amazing Spider-Man, Thor, and Spider-Girl, and Thunderstrike. And, uh, and so I talked to Tom about uh, the specifics about getting into Thor, how he, how he and Ron got that job, um, and we went through kind of chronologically the, um, the, the main points about uh, his run on Thor, like uh, uh, when Captain America picked up Thor's hammer, and the big battle with Seth, a couple of the different characters that come up like Mongoose and Earth Force, and you know, we, we just get into that, and he's got some great stories to tell. He is such a, he's a funny New Yorker, and you can tell. Um, it, was a lot, it was a real pleasure to be able to talk to him. Uh, this is a companion episode to uh, the Thor episode 16, War of the Pantheons, and also um, the interview with Ron Friends that we posted a little while ago. This episode is specifically for all you Patreon supporters, uh, so enjoy it while you can before I release it to the regular public. It is, uh, it, it's our way of saying thank you for, uh, for helping us out, because we wouldn't be able to keep up with all of the great podcasts in the Thunder Quack Podcast Network if it weren't for you supporters. So visit us at patreon.com thunderquack, or you can visit the Epic Marvel Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, or just visit us at our website, epicmarvelpodcast.com. So without further ado, here is Mr. Tom DeFalco. Okay, well, let's talk about Thor. When I was talking to Ron the other day, he was telling me that you and he um, had that brief run on Amazing Spider-Man and kind of left... Um, or I guess we're dismissed, and it was a little bit of a hairy time, but you were given the opportunity to uh, do a couple of fill-ins for Thor? Yeah, sort of, kind of. Did, did Ron tell you how it actually worked? That the, the editor was Ralph Macchio, and, and he was looking for a team to take over Daredevil. Oh, Ron didn't mention that. Uh, Ron didn't mention that, Okay. So Ron and I started talking about Daredevil, and we came up with a bunch of ideas of things we would want to do with Daredevil. Um, Ron even, uh, you know, did a, uh, I guess, a full-page splash of Daredevil, which Ralph had hanging on his wall for years. Um, so I went in there, and I, you know, basically started to try to pitch Ralph on the idea of, you know, assigning us Daredevil. And he said to me, um, yeah, 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 I, I need to get a team on Daredevil, but right now my biggest problem is Thor. 
And I said, well, what's your problem with Thor? He said, the book is so late. I am, I am desperate. I got to get some fill-ins because this book is, this, this book is just, you know, um, it, it's just ridiculously late. And, and if I don't get some fill-ins, we're going to miss some, we're going to miss shipping. So I said, um, he said, do you think you and Ron could do an issue of Thor? And I said, yeah, we could try, see, see if we come up with something. And we, um, I think the, the first one we did, was that the uh, Secret Wars one? Yes, it was. We wanted to come up with a story that didn't affect continuity, didn't affect anything, and yet was an interesting Thor story. So we came up with this, the Secret Wars one. Um, and yeah, Ralph seemed to like it. Uh, uh, we, you know, uh, Ron and I are, um, you know, just, uh, we, we hit our deadlines and we turned it in, you know, it's, uh, you know, we got it done, you know, quickly and efficiently. And, um, and then I said, you know, once I was finished scripting the, you know, scripting the issue, I said to Ralph, okay, you want to talk about Daredevil now? He says, no, 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 I, I'm still, you know, he says, you guys really helped me out, but I'm still, this book is still, you know, really late. I, I could really use another film. And I said, yeah, okay. And um, I spoke to Ron, which was saying, well, you know, we got to come up with an, another story that doesn't affect anything. Um, and in, in our discussion, somehow or other, we came up with the Dargo Thor story. I, I really don't remember, you know, whose initial idea it was. Since since I I look back and I think of it as a good idea, I'm going to say it was probably Ron's. <laughs> you know, we came up with that story. We get pitched it to Ralph. Ralph liked it. We did the story. And then once we once once I was done with my part on that, I said, "So Ralph, how about you know we talk about Daredevil now?" He says, "Well." Actually, I want to offer you guys a book. I said, terrific, Daredevil. He says, no, I want you to do Thor. <laughs> and I said to him, we can't do Thor. He says, why not? I said, you know, Ron and I are street-level guys. Thor is a cosmic book. We don't do cosmic. And he said, you just did two issues. <laughs> and I said, but, don't, they, were, but they were fill-ins, you know? I said, well, you know, a fill-in, I can could, I could do a fill-in of, of anything. Um, doesn't mean I could, I could do another, you know, do another issue of it, uh, you know, do, do the book on the re regular basis. And, and, and at the time, Sab Yusema was the regular penciler on Thor. Uh, Walt was going to, Walt Simonson was, was leaving the book, but Sal was still supposed to be the regular penciler. So I said, well, what about, what about Sal? And uh, he said, well, you know, we can always tell Sal that you come with your own penciler. I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to tell Sal that, you know, hey, we're going to knock you off your book. That, I said, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, so I said, you know what, how about we just forget it? And, and, um, and I, I guess we were a little loud when we were having this discussion. And, and Jim Salakrup comes in and he says, um, listen, I, I overheard you guys 
you know, about Salvia Sema. He said, I was actually thinking of offering him one of the Spider-Man books. Would it be okay if I offered him a Spider-Man book? <laughs> and, and, and Ralph says, Ter terrific, give him Spider-Man and, you know, and then I could put Ron and, you know, Ron and Tom on, on, on Thor. And then, uh, and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. It, it's one thing if Sal wants to do Spider-Man, but he shouldn't be, you know, knocked off of Thor to, to be put on a book because, you know, because he's Sabia Sema. He, he should be able to decide what he's doing, not, you know. Right. Should, people shouldn't be maneuvering behind. And they said, well, I'm, I'm going to offer him. So he, they offered, offered Spider-Man to Sal. Sal said he wanted to do it. But but I didn't trust any. It's <laughs> a terrible thing to say at this stage. I didn't trust the guy, so I called up Sal, and, and I said, "Sal, I just want to make sure that this is something you want to do." And he says to me, "Absolutely." He says, it, it, "Spider Man is so much easier than <laughs> doing <laughs> Thor and doing all the crazy stuff." Uh, and he says, and, and "He says, and I know you. You're, you're going to come up with armies and all sorts of crazy nonsense." And I said, "Well, yeah." You know, maybe, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can actually do the book. And and Sal said, "Yeah, you're probably the only one who doesn't think you can do the book." <laughs> and you know, I went to Ron. Uh, you know, I went to Ron and and and, and uh, Ralph, and I said, you know, and Ron was very excited about doing Thor. And I said, you know, I'm still not convinced we know how to do cosmic. And he said, "Well, why don't you come up with a cosmic story and see?" I said, yeah, okay. And I talked to Ron, and we came up with the idea of um, the, the celestial story, which originally was supposed to be a one-part story. And then Ralph convinced me to do two parts, and he said, you know, you could probably even make this three parts. And I said, oh, come on, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. But we ended up doing three parts, and and I did the the first three plots, you know, fairly quickly because I, I had to make sure it all. <laughs> I had to make sure it all worked. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I, because I wasn't when I came up with the idea. I kept thinking, oh man, you know, with each issue, it, you know, the stakes get bigger and bigger. Is is, is the end going to actually work and pay off? So I kind of over the course of like a week and a half, I did three all three plots just to make sure that you know it all worked. And then once we turned that in, you know, Ralph said to me, oh, yeah, about you not don't, being able to do Cosmic. Yeah, right. Shut up. <laughs> well, and after that, you sort of took Thor to the street level. Like you brought him, you started uh, doing a little bit of world building with him um, and introducing Eric Masterson and stuff. So you, you kind of got both worlds in there. Well, you know, the world building is something that, Ron and I have always done. You know, we feel that when we're put on a book, it's our job to create. So we create. You know, we create new things. We try to go in directions that the book has never been in before. Um, when we were on Spider-Man, you know, people were complaining because we, were in, we kept introducing new villains instead of bringing out the same old villains. Yeah. Um, you introduced a lot of villains in your Thor run as well. Well, you know, you know, that was our job. Yeah. No, it was great. Um, and I think in particular, uh, Mongoose is one of the standout ones from, this, uh, from your, the beginning of your run here. 
Uh, Ron tells me that you uh, were originally intending to have him as a Spider-Man villain. Yeah, the, he was originally planned to be a Spider-Man villain. And um, when Ron and I create a, a new villain, we always work out a kind of a Bible about about who the character is and his background and everything. Um, so we had we had this villain sitting around with a you know an entire history, and uh, you know we figured we might as well use him. Well, and then you sounds like um, later on he becomes quite tied into the. Um, the High Evolutionary and the Wondergore story. Um, that was that an attempt to make him more of a Thor sort of character rather than a Spider-Man character. I, I don't know if that was our original intent uh, at this stage, uh, you know, but he might have been connected to the High Evolutionary when we first introduced him. I, I, I really, it's hard to remember, you know, so many years ago. Right. Tell me a little bit about um, the issue where Captain America lifts Thor's hammer. What was, uh, what was your reason for, for writing that one? Well, you know, we kept, at one point, uh, Walt Simonson introduced the concept that if you're worthy, you can lift the hammer and that, that, you know, and have the power of Thor. And it doesn't matter whether or not you, uh, you're Don Blake or, 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 or you're actually Thor. Because that's that's how Beta Ray Bill was able to lift the hammer. Right. And Ron and I, you know, thought about it. We said, hey, if there's anybody, you know, in the Marvel Universe who's worthy, it's got to be Captain America. And, you know, that was our reasoning. And, you know, we, we kind of went from there. I, I was kind of thrilled in, in um, I guess it was the second Avengers movie that they, they took our bit. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't give us credit for it, but they, they used it anyway. Yeah, of course. Not quite as uh, drastic as you. It was just a little nod, I think. Do you recall? I know, but, you know, it was nice. Do you recall what the fan reaction was when that issue came out? I'm, I'm going to, you know, I seem to think it was positive. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, which was rare. Most of the time when Ron and I were on the book, people were complaining that they wanted Walt Simonson back. <laughs> Yeah, it's a hard act to follow, I'm sure. Yeah, there are certain titles that while you're on the book, people hate what you did, and they want the guys in front of you back. Um, and they don't really start to like you, your work until you're off the book. And then the, they complain to the you know new guys that they want, they, they want you back. You had a crossover with Daredevil early on in your run. Um, what, did you stick him in there because you really wanted to be on that other Daredevil book? Well, Ryan and I had done a lot of thought about Daredevil. So we thought, you know, let, let's bring him on. You know, um, instead of hiring us to do the book, um, Ralph had ended up hiring Anderson and John Romita Jr. Right. And I don't know if you're familiar with their run. Yep. But it was fantastic. Yep. They did a fabulous job. They did a much better job than Ron and I would have done. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I hate them for it. You know? Yeah. Because um, they, they really did a, you know, man, I love their run. I, it was one of my favorite comic books for, you know, for a period of time. Well, I think it worked out for, the, for Thor as well. Because you both uh, 
for firing on all cylinders for this book as well. Well, thank you very much. We had a great time on tour. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about uh, creating um, this huge epic space battle, the, the battle with Seth, with all of Asgard. For someone who was scared of uh, this cosmic, the cosmic world, uh, you kind of just really threw yourself in there. Well, we figured, you know, let, let's go for broke. Let, let, let's just try it, you know. We, um, you know, we wanted to do a big epic, epic thing. And um, in one of the issues, I'm going to guess it was 399. Um, we had a number of scenes where uh, it looked like the Asgardians, you know, 399 it has to look like the Asgardians are losing. Um, and we had just a number of scenes where we basically, you know, say goodbye to each, each of the characters. Right. That it looks like uh, the individual members of the Warrior Three, you know, they're all at a different stage. It looks like, you know, about to get killed. And yeah, I really thought you killed you off know, Balder the Brave. You know, yeah, a, a number of the characters. Um, but we didn't kill off anybody. No. Because <laughs> they all, you know, they're, they're all fighting astronomical. Odds, and they all win because they're the good guys. <laughs> uh, but for years after them, people would complain to me about how I slaughtered all of these characters. <laughs> and, and, I, and I would say to them, didn't you read the, the, the next issue? Yeah, Aren't right. you following the book now? And they said, but you, you still killed them all off. I said, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> It's <laughs> still around. That that issue, on the one hand, um, you know, it, a lot of readers were furious with it because they thought we killed off all the characters, um, and yet they couldn't wait to get the next issue, which is you know kind of what Brian and I do is we try to set up, you know, try to make sure that each comic book is is a complete unit of entertainment. And yet you're, you're drawn into finding out what happens next issue. Yeah, one of the things I really like is, your, um, th is that you take your time with things. You set seeds for plots and they don't pay off for like two years later. And that's, uh, that's something I noticed, especially in your Fantastic Four run as well. Um, that's just kind of a, the way you write. And uh, it's, it's so different nowadays with the six-issue story arcs and, you know, everything's done and they're moving on. And... Um, you're, you're looking at the long haul here. Well, you know, yes and no, because, like I said, each issue that we do is a complete unit, mm -hmm. where these, year, these days with the six-issue story arc, you read all six issues, and even that may or may not be a complete unit right. with a beginning, middle, and end. Um, I get frustrated when I pick up a trade paperback and realize... I start in the middle of a story and I end in the middle of a story and I don't get a complete story in the, in the entire trade paperback. Right, it's kind of like the trade paperbacks have six trade arcs nowadays rather than six issue arcs. Yeah, and you know, what Juan and I tried to do is if you pick up a you know, six issue trade paperback from us, you would get basically seven stories. 
six individual issues. Yeah. Plus they all added up to a seventh story. Yep. So I, I believe that you, you really have to be worth your reader's time and hit, and you know, the, you know, the reader's time and the reader's money. Um, you know, the time is, is more valuable than the money because you can always get more money, but you can't, you can never get more time. Right. So as I was reading through the Seth battle, which was, you know, I don't know if like five issues or something like that. Um, it, Thor never really is part of the big Asgard battle. He's off kind of doing side things that relate, but he's never actually part of, uh, Part of the overall battle um, was that why why did you want to keep those keep him kind of away from the main action we, we had a two-pronged attack there we had you know the Thor storyline you know Thor is our main character and we really want to focus on him and then we had the war which is you know essentially you know People fighting each other, you know, just big, big battle scenes. Yeah. And, and we thought, you know, if you put Thor in the, in the battle scenes, you know, all, all we're going to do is just see the same old Thor war, you know, warrior stuff. So we wanted to keep him out of that so that we could really focus on his character and focus on, on his story. Um, that, that, that was the, the basic idea. Nice. You introduced, you reintroduced the, the Tales of Asgard backup stories uh, during your run here. Um, what was your thought behind that? What, what, were you, what did you want to accomplish by bringing, the, bringing back those backup stories? I think the main reason we did that was that at one point Thor started coming out twice a month um, uh, during, you know, during the summer months and stuff like that. Yep. And it was to make life a little easier for Ron. Oh, okay. Instead of having to do, I think it was like, you know, 44 pages a month, he, he, you know, he only had to do 34 pages a month. Right. Um, I also thought it would give us a chance to, you know, try out some other artists and, um, you know, kind of expand the Thor universe. What was your working relationship like with Ron? How did you two, uh, how did you two get things done? Ron and I had started our working relationship while we were in, on Spider-Man. And, you know, initially, you know, uh, well, initially he was, uh, you know, I was scripting over, I think my first couple of issues were scripts over uh, uh, Roger Stern plots. And then, um, you know, then I started, you know, turning in plots and, and Ron and I started to talk about the plots after he got them. And he, you know, he had a lot of, you know, good, good ideas. Uh, um you know, I've always tried to be a, a, a visual writer, but artists live in the visual. Um, so a, a lot of times he makes suggestions and I say, oh, hey, you know what? I like your idea better than my idea. Let's go with your idea. And as time went on, 
we started to talk about the stories before I, I'd sit down to write them. Um, and Ron and I, you know, we approach comics the same way. And um, neither one of us, you know, have an ego where the work is concerned. The work is the most important thing. So we just started to develop this kind of shorthand where we would just toss, you know, one of us would show up and say, how about we do a story like this? And the other guy would say, well, that's a good idea, but we can, we can also do this and this. And then we keep, you know, batting ideas back and somehow or other we would end, end up with a story at the end. Um, you know, and it got to the point where, uh, you know, I, I, I have no idea, you know, who came up with what idea, you know, who, you know, you know, so many times we would start where I thought I had a good idea and then would eventually throw it out because the story that we had had take, taken a different turn. So I'd throw out all, all my ideas and we'd go with the, you know, the new ideas. You know, I'm, I'm a desperate man trying to you know, steal all the credit for myself. But I, I, you know, I've always maintained that all the ideas that you like, Ron probably came up with, and the ideas you didn't like, those were mine. <laughs> um, talk, talk to me a little bit about Eric Masterson. Why, why did you bring him into the story? Um, and did you, from the, from the get-go, um, have Thunderstrike in mind? Um, we did not have Thunderstrike in mind from the get-go. Uh, the, the main reason why, why we wanted to bring Eric in is we wanted to ground Thor. Uh, and ground them and unite them with the planet Earth. Um, so when we brought in Eric, we, we kind of always knew that at some point he and Thor would get merged. Um, and he would be Thor's secret identity. Uh, we figured, you know, Thor is a warrior who tends to break a lot of buildings. So we figured, okay, so we're going to get a guy whose job it is to you know, create buildings and design buildings, yeah. um, you know, with, you know, an, an architect, the builder versus the, uh, you know, the warrior. Um, we also from the start knew that, that this relationship would not end well for Eric. Um, the first time we see, you know, the first story where Eric appears, there is a battle with Thor and Eric is injured as a result of this and walks with a cane and a limp, you know, for, for the rest of the series. Right. A number of times throughout the, the series, we, um, you know, indicated that things would not end well for Eric. Just because we, we knew that ultimately, you know, when, when, when men mess with gods. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't things, always things work out well. Things usually don't work out well. So we always knew that ultimately Eric would die. You know, we, we planned to merge them. And, and, that, and, and the plan initially was that Eric would be the, just be Thor's secret identity. You know, two sides to the same coin. Um, you know, at, at a certain point, at a storyline where Loki, you know, I, I forget what Loki had done, but at the end of it, Thor apparently, you know, blows Loki away. Then Thor 
power is kind of banished and Eric kind of takes over. Uh, and, uh, you know, we always had, uh, you know, the hunt for Thor. Uh, and that's, you know, when we came up with the no more Mr. Nice God cover. <laughs> you know, the truth was we were leading uh, towards the end of our run uh, on Thor. We were setting things up, you know, for the death of Eric. Right. And at one point, the sales department came in and they said to they, they said to me, um, so what's your plan with Eric? I said, well, I think he's going to be dying in like three or four issues. And I said, what? And I said, um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, you know, that, that's how we, we bring Thor back. Um, and, 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 and they said, no, 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 you can't do that. And I said, why can't I do that? They said, since Eric has been on, the sales on this book have been skyrocketing. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, and they showed me the, the you know, sales charts. And in, in the direct market and on the newsstand, this, the sales were, they were doing terrific. Great. Um, and they said, no, no, you can't, you can't do that. And I said, but, you know, we've got to bring back Thor at some point. And they said, well, can't you do both? I said, what do you mean? Can't you have Eric, you know, and, and Thor? And I said, I, I guess so. And I, you know, spoke to Ron and, you know, and that became the, uh, the Thunderstrike book. So did people like Eric as Thor, but not Eric as Thunderstrike? Because Thunderstrike didn't last very long. Well, Thunderstrike didn't last very long for, you know, reasons that had nothing to do with sales. Oh, okay. You know, at the time Thunderstrike was canceled, it was outselling Thor and the Avengers combined. And I'll repeat that. It was outselling Thor and the Avengers combined. Yeah, that's pretty, those are pretty good numbers. <laughs> those were very good numbers. But what had happened was the... Um, the, the powers that be at the company had decided that they wanted to cut the number of titles Marvel was doing in half. The, uh, I, I was editor-in-chief. They were going to replace me as editor-in-chief with five other guys, um, five other people, all good people. Um, I, I had one of those fantasies where you get fired and you're replaced by eight people. Um, <laughs> And they decided that you know we're gonna you know, they're gonna cut down the Spider-Man books to to, to I think two titles, uh, you know they, at the time we were doing Iron Man and War Machine you can only do one, which one? Right. You do Iron Man. Of course. You know you're doing Avengers West Coast Avengers you can only do one which one? Avengers. Yeah. You're doing Thor and Thunderstrike which one are you gonna do? Well, Thunderstrike was out selling Thor but. Which one are you going to do? Of course. All right. But they still kept so, like five Spider-Man titles. No, no, they didn't. They, they cut down the number of Spider-Man titles, too. Oh, really? Uh, they cut, yeah, they cut them down to two. You know, they went from four titles to two titles. Um, because the brilliant people who were in charge were convinced that if, you, if you're doing four Spider-Man titles... 
and you cut it down to two, the remaining two will sell twice as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, and I had that re reaction too. Because I had that reaction, they, you know, that's when they decided to fire me. Oh, really? Because uh, <laughs> all of those people it, are buying all four books. Because I said to them, it doesn't work. But yeah. You know, it, that's not how comic books work. Right. And, and I, you know, I said, listen, comic books are entertainment. Nobody has to buy anything. What, you know, if you're a Spider-Man fan, you, you, you buy all the Spider-Man titles. Um, if you cancel two Spider-Man titles, it's not that you're going to suddenly start buying Captain America. You know, yep. either you're buying Captain America already or, or you're, or you're, you're going to use that extra money and buy pizza. <laughs> yeah, and, it's true. And, and, and yeah. I, I also use the example of movies. I, I, I said, you know, it, if a weekend comes out and there are three good movies coming out, well, in the course of the weekend, you, you see as many of those movies as you can. Um, and you say, okay, I couldn't get to, you know, all three of them, but, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll catch one in the middle of the week. I'll catch one next weekend. Um, if a week, weekend comes out and no good movies come out, you, you don't say, okay, well, I'll go to a, a lousy movie that I'm not interested in. You go out for pizza. <laughs> yeah. Um, then pretty much, you know, anybody who's ever been connected with comics know. Uh, so they... You know, cut half half the titles, and and then they bought their own distributor. They made a lot of very bad decisions. And was that when Marvel was having their financial issues as well? This is what caused Marvel to have their financial issues. Oh, really? Okay. I, this is what caused everything. In, in years late, year, later years, they blamed. I remember one of the president presidents of the company said. You know, at one point, Spider-Man was selling, you know, 400,000 copies a month. And then they did the Clone Saga. And uh, after that, it was selling like 60,000 copies a month. And I said, yeah, but in between that, Marvel bought its own distributor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Canceled half the Spider-Man titles and went into bankruptcy. <laughs> I don't know if they, I don't know if you can really blame it all on the Clone Saga. Right. And I used to say that, uh, yeah, the Clone Saga was so bad that, you know, even the Fantastic Four lost, you know, 60% of its sales. Um, and, of course, that was the month after Marvel bought its own distributor. Wow. You know, what, am, yeah. what, what do I know? <laughs> you uh, created the New Warriors with Ron, right? And you kicked it off oh, kind yes. of uh, in Thor, sort of like a backdoor pilot? Yes. Why, what brought... What led to creating the New Warriors? I felt that, you know, at the time, I felt that the, the, the vast majority of our readership was 16-year-olds of all ages. Um, readers who were under 16 uh, and dreamt of the magical day then they, that they would be 16, and readers who were over 16 and still loved comics and, you know, wanted to have that same thrill of being a 16-year-old, no matter what, what their age was. Um, you know, in those days, we had a, a very big mass market distribution, which was, uh, you know, actually bigger than our direct market distribution. And I thought, you know what? 
we should have have a, a team of teenage superheroes. And, and I spoke to guys and nobody was interested in doing it because everybody wanted to do adult stuff. So I said, okay, well, then I'm going to create it. I created it, made up the Bible, and then I handed it to an editor. And, and uh, the editor, I believe, was Danny Fingroth. And, and he says, I, I know just the people who can do this as a regular comic book. Um, and he brought in Fabian and Mark Bagley. And again, they did a great job on it, much better than Ron and I would have done. I'm, I'm so pissed at those guys. <laughs> yeah, they did do a good job. They really did do a good job. Yeah, I'm such a jealous, petty person. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they, they did a fabulous job. And, and, you know, that's why we did, you know, we, we did the New Wars. Because, I, I, you know, I thought, you know, the adults who were reading the Marvel comics at the time, I think they, you know, they were always complaining that, you know, that, that's, you know, Spider-Man should never have graduated high school or graduated college. And I was thinking, well, Obviously, they're interested in reading about teenage characters. So let's give them some teenage characters. Yeah, and this was after um, New Warriors had all kind of grown up, I guess, right? I mean, uh, not New Warriors, uh, New Mutants. Yeah, new, new, well, we already, ha we, we did have, we still had New Mutants. They were still teenage characters, and, and New Mutants was doing well. So I thought, hey, come on, let's expand. Yeah. You brought Hercules into the Thor story uh, as a regular character, and that was kind of a, an odd couple kind of setup. Um, why Hercules? Well, because he would, you know, I, I always thought of Hercules as a regular Thor character, and I thought he was, a, you know, he was a good contrast to Eric and, and to Thor. Yep. Bring him in. He's a good character. He's a good. He's a good foil. He, because he's such a contrast to Thor, he tells us a lot about, and a greater contrast to Eric. He, I, I thought he, you know, it was a, just a good catalyst. Yeah, and he added, I think, some much needed uh, humor as well. Um, a good to yeah, give a lot a of a lot of humor and a lot of pathos. Yeah. Um, I I can't tell you how many fans over the years. Have told me about one scene with Eric and, and Thor that has haunted them for years. You know, I think it was the Black Galaxy saga or, or whichever one, where Eric is, is is about to go go on a mission. Yeah, and he doesn't think he's going to come back, and uh, he's been fighting with his wife about custody of their child, and he realizes that if he doesn't come back, you know. Um, his son has to be taken care of. So he goes in and he, uh, you know, he gives up custody of his son. We then have a silent sequence where he turns to Hercules and kind of collapses in his arms. And that scene, I, I can't tell you how many people have, you know, remarked about how that scene has stuck with them through the years. Yeah, it's an incredibly moving emotional scene like I, I mean i'm a father i can't imagine having to make that decision well when you think you're gonna die you gotta do what you gotta do you gotta do, yep. do the right thing and what and what's even greater there is that you have um because eric was merged with thor at the time so you really have thor and hercules these two immortal gods 
in such an em emotional embrace, which you always think of gods as being these stoic characters, but this brought it way, way down to human level. But, you know, but that's our, you know, that's our job as creators. Yeah. We, we, you know, it's all about the, the human connection. You know, stories are supposed to tell us something about our humanity. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to, you know, get up on too, too big a, a soapbox, but, you know, I know that Ryan and I are doing comics, but, you know, comics are part of the greater world of fiction. And, you know, that's why we tell stories to touch, you know, emotionally touch our readers. Um, and, um, you know, we've been lucky because a, a lot of our stories we know have, have touched our readers. You did a, the story with the High Evolutionary. Um, was that a character that you uh, that you really sought out, that you were like, oh, I'm doing Thor, I, I have to include this guy at some point? I, I, I think we used him just because it was natural. I, you know, it, 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 it seemed natural to include him at a certain point. But, you know, I, I really don't think... When I would approach a book, I never thought... You know, you're doing this title, so you have to include certain people. Um, you know, I, I just tried to, you know, Ron and I would just try to figure out, you know, what are the most interesting stories we can tell? And, and, and you know, we go from there. Right. I object to the, the current mentality. Whenever anybody, you know, takes over a book, they, you know, it, it, it's like... You know, a new writer takes over a book, and they have to tell, you know, you know, the top three villains, you know, boom, 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 yep. and then they get off the book, and the next guy comes in, and, and, and he takes those again. same three villains and does his, yeah. his three stories, and you know, I, I've never had that kind of attitude. Okay. Um, I just want to quickly touch on three characters, and then... Uh... Then wrap things up here. Can you tell me a little bit about Earth Force? Those were actually characters that Ron had developed, um, I guess, when he was in high school or something. He had, uh, you know, he had had those characters around, you know, in, in the back of his head for 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 many years. And um, you know, at one point, I, I remember saying, uh, you know, you know, we're gonna need some characters but they're basically good people right uh so they think they're doing right good um but then eventually find out that uh, that they were getting used and he said oh i got these great characters you know and then um you know we went from there they, they were mainly you know they mainly came from ron nice uh thank you very much tom for taking the time to to chat with us today. I think the listeners will, will love to hear your stories and, uh, and everything you have to, to talk about here. Well, I, I hope so. I hope so. And I hope some of them, you know, my, my, the current thing I have on the stands right now is called Reggie and Me from the Archie Company. Yes. Um, very different from Thor. <laughs> you don't say. You know, it, it, it's still heavy characterization. There will be moments where there isn't a dry eye in the house. Oh, that's good. Is it, um, is it following the same line of the, the new 
the new serious takes on the Archie characters that, uh, like Mark Wade's Archie? In those lines. It's in those lines. It's in that universe. Um, Do those books, are they like, are they forming this big continuity between these, these books and the Jughead book? Not in, in the traditional sense of continuity. Okay. But they are, they are all of one universe. Gotcha. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. Check out Reggie and Me, uh, Tom DeFalco's new, uh, most recent work. Um, yeah, do you have anything else you want to plug or uh, say to the crowd here? Just uh, I, I want to thank them all for, for being there because, um, you know, without them, I wouldn't have had a career. So thank you very much. Great. Thank you. Thank you.